I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. Millionaires value money because they look at money like a tool to earn more money, not like a toy for those who are not millionaires who use money to kind of burn and throw it away. And it's very common in my community, but also in the world these days, that there's a lot of people that are fascinated with buying things that make them look rich. So those, that value system goes in the opposite direction of, of, of the mindset of millionaires. 
Uh, and there's a lot of young people, quite honestly. So uh, in this generation, you know, thanks to hip hop music and the whole nine yards that likes to go to strip clubs and various places and throw money away as a way to kind of show how much money they have. The millionaire mindset would never do that because they said, wait, why am I throwing away this resource that's used to make more money? You know, the objective is to get your money making money for you so you can spend what your money make, not your money. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Have you ever wondered, how do millionaires actually make millions? Well, the first thing you need to do is focus on making millionaire money moves by cultivating a millionaire mindset and a set of values that helps you move closer to that millionaire mindset. Our guest, Cedric Nash, has been dubbed your millionaire mentor, largely because of his dedication to building generational wealth himself and then teaching you and me how to do the same thing. Cedric is a serial entrepreneur investor who educates, inspires, and motivates wealth building in the African-American community. He is the founder of the Black Wealth Summit annual event and is the author of two forthcoming books, Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth? How You Can Become a Millionaire Starting from the Bottom and the Millionaire Money Moves Supplemental Investment Guide. Yep, there is a reason why this millionaire money mover jokes that he never sleeps. He's sharing on this episode with you how to build the millionaire mindset, the millionaire money moves you should be making right now, the power of building generational wealth, and we have a really interesting discussion about why the idea of closing the racial wealth gap is flawed at its core. This is a good one, my friends, and you'll leave inspired to start building wealth no matter the size of your bank account. Let's start talking with our new friend, Cedric. We have a lot to talk about. I want to start with this. You're you're dubbed the millionaire mentor, which we really want to dive into. And you are obsessed with the challenges and mysteries of building wealth. I couldn't agree more. You're also unapologetically dedicated to advancing the prosperity of Black people and working to really close the wealth gap. You've also created the Black Wealth Summit. So much to talk about. But just to warm us up here, you know, Cedric, what does building wealth versus making money mean to you? And what was maybe the light bulb moment where you realized there was a difference between the two? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of folks whose whose focus is really on growing their income and improving their lifestyle, but they never really focus on building up their net worth or their wealth or their their inventory of assets that produce the income and appreciate over time. And so that's really uh, the difference. And, you know, wealth is essentially your, you know, the sum of your assets minus some of your liabilities. But that's the thing that creates real generational wealth. That's the thing you could pass on from generation to generations. And that's the thing that we should be looking to build up to provide us the income so that we can live our lives the way that we dream of living our lives, making the contributions to the world in the way that we choose to. Um, so that's really, really what wealth is. And I've been obsessed with it as soon as I learned, you know, what it was and how to build it and been trying to spread the word, teach other people how to build it themselves. Yeah, I think it's interesting the, to looking at the difference between making money and wealth, because 
I know uh, I'm a certified financial planner and I'm, I'm retired from that, but I uh, worked with people for 10 plus years and it would, it's interesting where you would watch them kind of make that switch in their heads uh, from, you know, I think the society teaches us that it's all about the, the income you earn, that that defines your wealth. But when you would watch them kind of switch their, their thinking around it and really realize what you're saying here, that it's, you know, how, how do we take that amount of money and how do we create, generate wealth from it? It was like, oh, okay, it's just a whole different way of looking at things. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's funny because that's exactly what I call making millionaire money moves. It's really the transformation of your income into assets that do the work for you. And so, yeah, so I've just been, like I said, over the years, obsessed with that process uh, after reading a lot of books and putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, then I said, wow, this is what, um, this is what everyone should do. And that's essentially why I wrote a book. And that's really the basis of my book. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to dive into your book, uh, in just a few minutes, but you also have this really interesting backstory. I love your entrepreneurial spirit. I'm an entrepreneur, started my first business when I was in college. So I share that passion with you and you, you built this empire out of helping so many, so many people. Tell us a little bit about about your own money story and kind of growing up, like how you understood there was a difference in people's wealth. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I I um grew up in a small town called Seaside. My parents weren't particularly wealthy. We were what I would consider lower middle class. Uh probably in my neighborhood, we were probably considered, you know, middle to upper middle class. My dad built all the houses that we lived in. He, you know, he loved wow. to buy the land and build the houses and, and he would build nice houses for us. And, um, you know, so because of that, you know, I just saw that building process and my parents were not very flashy. We had nice clothes and nice place to live. And we always had a great vacation. Uh, but my dad was fairly conservative. I mean, if you ask my sister and brother and I, we would think that he was kind of cheap and frugal. Um, <laughs> however, he did, did like to dibble and dabble in the stock market. I'll, I'll never forget those days of him looking in the newspaper and having to go down and find the stock that he was investing in, uh, he would just have to dibble and dabble in it. And for him to be that way, given that he was raised, as I talk about in my book, country poor, meaning that they, his family, his father was a sharecropper. So you know, he grew up as a sharecropper, as a sharecropper kid, working some land in North Carolina that was owned by a white guy that where they basically grew and picked tobacco uh, just to survive, so to speak. So, um, you know, very, very humble beginnings. And my mother, I had an eighth grade education. And in the, in the days that she come up, she came up that it was time at, after the eighth grade to go back and go to work and go help make money for the family. So very humble people, but God-fearing, very respectful, not, you know, you know, didn't care to show off, but, uh, you know, provide a quality lifestyle for our family and instilled some really good values. But in addition to my parents, I met uh, three uh, millionaire mentors. You know, in my in the high school ages, uh, uh, one Mr. Mr. Uh, Gilbert D. Bruce. Uh, I'm sorry, Gilbert D. Bruce was in college, but uh, Al Glover, Robert uh, Taylor, as well as a white gentleman by the name of Gus Martin, really kind of shaped my mindset and got me really, really going. Watching how they lived. My dad was basic. He had a nice house. He bought maybe a couple of uh, rentals that he had, uh, a couple of rentals that he had. But Mr. Glover and Robert, they were all in. They were building houses. They owned apartment buildings. They own uh, laundromats. They, you know, Mr. Glover started a bank. I mean, these guys, he owned his own office building. So I saw this and this kind of created something in my mind that I wanted to do when I got older and I never let go of that vision. 
That's so great. I mean, to be able to have three people during those ages to really mentor you, I think is just amazing. And you bring up a subject I like to talk about a lot, which is mindset. Tell me about, because there really is a millionaire mindset, right? Tell me about like, how do you cultivate that? I love that. There is a millionaire mindset. Um, and I hate to refer back to my book. I know we're going to talk about it, but I talk often about my in my book about developing a millionaire mindset. And there's also adopting millionaire values. The difference is your mindset is what I call the offense. That's your way of looking at things so that you're not limited in your ability to earn money. Uh, that's why I call it the offense. And then there's your millionaire values, which I call the defense. That's how you treat money, how you value money, how you respect it. Uh, millionaires value money because they look at money like a tool to earn more money, not like a toy for those who are not millionaires who use money to kind of burn and throw it away. And it's very common in my community, but also in the world these days, there's a lot of people that are fascinated with buying things that make them look rich. So those, that value system goes in the opposite direction of, of, of the mindset of millionaires. Uh, and there's a lot of young people, quite honestly so, uh, and this generation, you know, thanks to hip hop music and the whole nine yards that likes to go to strip clubs and various places and throw money away as a way to kind of show how much money they have. The millionaire mindset would never do that because they say, wait, why am I throwing away this resource that's used to make more money? You know, the objective is to get your money making money for you so you could spend what your money make, not your money. So then that, that brings me to a curious question. How do you make that shift in your head. Let's say you you grew up and maybe you know you didn't have a lot of access to money, maybe your parents really struggled or whatever your situation might be and how do you change that that sort of framework of thinking so that you can even try to believe something bigger? Great question. Often, if you look at the definition of your mindset, it's your preconceived beliefs, ideas and practices that are often established by what somebody told you that you thought, who, who you thought highly of. And so often what happens is our mindsets are cemented over years and over time based on things that we believe are true, often because of the people that we hang out with. So the name of the game is to change your mindset. The first thing you have to do is you have to change your environment because your environment has a lot to do with what you believe. Uh, for example, I hung out with a bunch of millionaire mentors. There was at least four or five, you know, in mine. And my dad was one as well. You know, it was like I said, I talked about Al Glover, Robert Taylor, uh, Gus Martin, who was an engineer, as well as Gilbert D. Bruce, who I met when I was in college. So they had a different mindset. They operated differently. So because I hung out with them, I was learning from them. I looked at how they moved and how they operated. And I, opt I adopted their ways. A lot of people who don't hang out with those kind of people develop the wrong mindset. I'll give you a quick little example. You know, there are some people who believe, their mindset has convinced them to believe that owning multifamily properties is not worth it. They said, oh, all people are going to do is mess up your property and damage your property. You know, so don't, don't own uh, properties. And then a lot of people in our community are told, you know, don't invest in the stock market because of religious belief. Oh, that's like gambling. Or with the stock market, you can't win. All you do is lose money. Meanwhile, you tell that to Warren Buffett and he'll laugh at you. Uh, you tell that uh, about not owning real estate par uh, properties to to billionaire um, Frank uh, LaFranc, uh, who owns you know loads of properties in, in, in New York City, and they laugh at you. So the whole point is, is like you know, a lot of times our mindset has been shaped by these people that we hang out with. So the first thing is you got to change that environment, and sometimes that environment means your family and your close friends. That don't mean you get rid of them, 
You just have to sprinkle in people that have a different mindset and that are experiencing things differently that you can watch and learn from. Then once you do that, you got to shift your programming because a lot of our mindset has been cemented by the things that we put in our head, either through our church affiliations or through the stuff that we read, the stuff that we watch television with, the stuff that we spend the majority of our time with that we feed into our mind and into our psyche. So you have to change that. You have to change that with good information, good books, good quality information that's based on truths and based on things that are repeatable and things that that you can count on. Then the thing, the other thing is you have to then practice those new beliefs. So after you practice those new beliefs and redevelop or recalibrate you know, what you believe to be true, now you're cementing a new mindset based on truths, based on reality. And that's the process. And it's the same process for changing your value set. So as I was doing some research uh, for this interview, Cedric, I, I read something that, and I, I got to know if this is true, that you were you were still in college, I believe at Cal Poly, you created a plan or a mission statement to become a millionaire. And then in just seven years after graduating, you actually did it. So tell us a little bit about that story, because that's a pretty audacious goal. Yeah, it was interesting. It was like two days before graduation, something popped into my mind to write a plan. All right. So I was always, you know, by hanging out with Mr. Bruce, I, Mr. Bruce, who was at my college and I lived with him one year. I read so many books. The first book I read was How to Be Your Own Stockbroker by Charles Schwab. I just kept reading books while I was in my last uh, year and a half at school. And it started creating this vision or this this the desire to do interesting things, right? Like like own my own properties and own my own businesses. So before, like two days before graduating, I, I pulled out this piece of yellow legal pad and I still had that piece of paper that I wrote back in 1990. And I put together this plan based on a, a Gantt chart. And it really wasn't necessarily a plan to become a millionaire, but it's really more a plan of the things that I wanted to accomplish over the next few years out of college. So I wrote down these things on a piece of paper and I put this paper away and probably did not go back to see that piece of paper until 2004. I vividly remember finding it in my file cabinet. And when I went down that list of paper, down that list, I accomplished probably 90 to 95 percent of the things that I wanted to accomplish. And the interesting wow. thing about it was I accomplished them within the time that I said I was going to accomplish them. And it was just amazing. And so uh, I talk often in my book about creating your Millionaire Money Moves master plan. And that's your master plan of getting there. And your master plan just basically integrates everything from what you earn to what you save, to what you pay, to what you invest in, how you reward yourself and how you give back. And so when you integrate all of those things, you know exactly when it's time to buy the next asset and the next asset and the next asset based on when you've saved or you've accumulated enough capital to do so. So I followed this plan. And when I came out of college, I was just operating. I wasn't even paying attention to the plan. And by the time I turned 32, my net worth was well over a million dollars, probably close to a million and a half uh, just by following this plan. And so you know, that's how I became a millionaire starting uh, from college by age 32. I continue to invest in, in real estate. I bought my first condo right out of college because I, like you, started a business putting in networks uh, for uh, for medical doctors and had saved up $7,000 by the time I graduated and bought my first condo in, in uh, San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. Nice. I love it. And I love the power of 
writing things down because I think sometimes we can overlook that as an easy step. Like, why would I need to write something down? I mean, it's in my head, but I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think it's somewhere around 90%. Like you're you're more apt to have around 90% success if you actually write down your goals versus just, you know, have them loose in your head. So I'd love hearing that that story and really testing the power of writing down and really going after them. Uh, you and I also share the belief that that anyone can build wealth yep. and, you know, you can take a step forward kind of no matter where you're at, but you have this example that you're showing other people that regardless of age, race, income, they can build wealth. But before we get in kind of the how-to of it, we've talked about mindset, but what are some of the other things that really get in the way of us building wealth from societal issues to to personal issues you know it's so funny regardless of what you call them societal issues or personal issues they're only fictitious items in your mind you know because what i mean by that is that you know how you look at things has a lot to do with you know your reality of those things and i don't want to i'm not trying to ignore your question i really really believe this you have to have the right mindset, the right belief that you can accomplish the things that you desire and that nothing's going to stand in your way and you're going to find a way to kind of get around those things. And that's part of your mindset. And that's why it takes time to become a millionaire. It takes time to become a millionaire because it takes time for you to develop the right mindset. It takes time for you to develop the right values around your money. And it takes time to make what I call millionaire money moves to accumulate these assets that appreciate and grow over time. So um, that's the most the most challenging thing for folks is that over time they realize that it's it's slow. And I have a post on my social media platform that becoming a millionaire isn't hard; it's just slow. And the hardest part is staying focused and staying consistent and staying committed through the ups and downs. So when you talk about these potential barriers, you know they're part of the process; they're part of the journey. And the name of the game is what's your mindset as you approach these 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 obstacles and i've had plenty of these uh, plenty of obstacles within my process within my uh, journey and the interesting thing about the, the these hurdles sometimes they will bring you down to your knees where uh, you know yes. that's serious where where i felt like you know i wanted to quit there are times in my journey where i wanted to quit i wanted to give up my business it just got that hard there are times right. where i've owned multifamily properties and my bad luck my luck was so bad I wanted to just give the property away. But now I could look years later, you know, and I'm like, I'm so glad I couldn't quit. So I, I try to be realistic with people in my book and even the way when I communicate with people that this is a tough journey. And you just have to develop what I consider your money team, not the way the Floyd mother talks about it, but your money team. That's the people that's around you that can keep you going. Those are your mentors, those are your accountants, your lawyers, those are the people that will that have done what you've done and more that can keep you encouraged and give you solutions to kind of keep pushing forward because it is a tough process. And that's why I say that no matter what your race is, your age, your income, your status in life, anybody can become a millionaire. It's just a matter of being consistent, putting forth the effort and not quitting. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. 
Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, 
savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I like that you talk about the time component because I think we're in a society right now where, um, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a stereotype, but we're in a society that feels like, okay, I, you know, I need to become a millionaire like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love what you're saying is that's just probably not a reality, <laughs> that it takes time to develop and grow and figure things out. And sometimes you make good choices and sometimes not so good choices, but it, it's a process uh, of time and kind of thinking about wealth uh, from that from that perspective, you know, the stats have been pretty stark for a while now that uh, something you're passionate about, you know, black households, they only own an estimated 4% of wealth compared to mm-hmm. 84% of white, white households, which is just, it still blows my mind. But are you seeing any changes with this deep wealth gap divide? Is anything really changing in society or in the world to, to, to change this? You know, I think that um, the mere fact that, and I've just recently had this thinking, and I'm going to actually write some articles about it, and I'm going to probably do a TED talk about it. But the real, the mere fact that we expect the racial wealth gap to close is flawed on its on its on the surface, because Ooh, the reality me, is, more. yeah, yeah, the the reality is, um, here's a perfect example. I don't know if you know Hussein Bolt, the fastest, one of the fastest yes. men in the world on track, right? So imagine Usain Bolt and I running the 400, which is one time around the lap, around the track. And imagine I'm starting at the starting point and he's starting at the halfway point, right? And so he's a world-class sprinter, right? He's got all the resources and the experience and all the tools to run faster than anybody. And I'm just a novice. I'm just getting started to run. How are we to expect that I'm going to close the gap between him and I? The whole point is, you know, the Caucasian community, you know, due to slavery and the whole nine yards, had such a head start on wealth building generationally. And so in order for African-Americans to close the racial wealth gap, our rate of wealth growth has to be faster than theirs. Impossible. How can I be faster than people who have access to unlimited capital, access to unlimited relationships, which are just as important as capital? And the experience in doing so. How can I basically just starting out, you know, just coming a few hundred years away from slavery with less resources, with less knowledge and experience about building wealth, how am I to grow my wealth at a pace faster than them? So I think the mere fact that we talk about it in that way makes no sense. We shouldn't measure the racial wealth gap. What we should measure is the African-American rate of, rate of wealth growth compared to themselves. Ooh, right? Okay. Yeah. That's what we should be comparing. And what we as African Americans should be doing is saying, you know, they're predicting that by 2053 when the world's mostly minority that African Americans are going to have a net worth of zero. What we as the African American community have to do, and what I'm helping them doing is making sure that we are growing our wealth, that we're not going behind. And that's exactly why I wrote my book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth and How You Can Become a Millionaire Starting from the Bottom. And was unapologetically focused on the African-American community because wealth eludes us because no one told us that we were going to be measured by this thing called wealth. You know, no one, when we yes, came, when right, we came out of our right. mother's womb, no one says, no doctor doesn't look at you and say, hey, little Cedric, you know, you're in this world now. Your job is to go build wealth because you're going to be measured by it down the line. 
So we're not even focused on it. We're not even measuring it. We often don't pay attention to it. We as African-Americans focus on income and lifestyle because that's what we see. So the movement that I'm trying to create with the Black Wealth Summit and what I'm trying to do with my book and my series of books is to teach the African-Americans a different way. And that is basically getting their assets to do the work because no one, quite honestly, have kind of really educated us on that. And so that's why I believe God put me on the surf to do. Wow. I I love that answer. Um, I, I mean, thinking about it from that perspective is just so powerful. Um, th- thanks for sharing that with us. And yeah, I want to talk about your book because A, the title definitely got me. <laughs> I do believe that white guys should not have all the wealth as as a female, for sure. Um, you, I also was uh, doing some research and there was a podcast episode you were on talking about your book and you were you were talking about determining the six levels of wealth that you're striving for. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is really fascinating. Like this is an interesting way to kind of talk about it. I'm sure you talk about more in your book, but can you give us a little sneak peek at how we determine these six levels of wealth we're striving for? Yeah, it's interesting because my ghostwriter and I argued about that because he didn't like it because they were not absolute <laughs> science, right? So they're not absolute <laughs> science, but they're frameworks that I use because I did that because you know, I before I wrote my book and all throughout my life since college, I read a lot of books on personal finance and they all followed the same approach and they all covered the same topics. And so I'm saying, well, and, and, and some of the people who helped me put the book together said, well, you know, you know, why haven't other books made you a millionaire yet? And so when I wanted to write my book, I did not want to write the same book. I wanted to basically write a book that filled in the gap from all the books that I read because all the books I read told you how to how to invest or how to be financially good, but they didn't tell you how to put all the pieces together. And so I'm hoping that with my book, I'm creating a continuum so that there's a plan to get from where you're starting from to get to where you to where you desire to be. And so that's why I created these six levels of wealth so people can pick their destination and make that part of what I call their end game, the time where they choose no longer to work. And so they go like this. The first uh, level is to be financially comfortable. And I define com- financially comfortable as the fact that you're on track to have enough money by the time that you're 65 to live a comfortable life and not to worry about money. And most people seek, and, and most of what we do in America is focused to get people financially comfortable, right? So that means that right. you, you have low debt, uh, you have moderate income, you're getting to a point where you can retire and have enough income to support your life. Then there's financial independence, which is a point in time in life where you don't have to work. And that could be earlier than retirement age or whenever to where you have enough assets or you have retirement or Social Security or other ways to cover your lifestyle. And you don't have to work. You are financially independent. Your money supports you without you having to work for it. And then there's what I call becoming a millionaire. That's when you have a net worth uh, of a million dollars where the sum of your assets minus some of your liabilities equal a million dollars. The catch about that is that you can become a millionaire, but not be financially independent. And there's a lot of people that are that that are in that position. They got a net worth of a million or two, but they yes. can't stop working, right? And then there's what I call rich. And I said rich is when you have a net worth of $5 million, you have at least a million dollars in liquid capital, either invested in the market or whatever, that you're financially independent, meaning that your $5 million in net worth is creating enough income to support your lifestyle for the rest of your life, and you have no debt. That's where rich begins. And it goes from there until you have a net worth 
of about $100 million and $10 million in, in liquid capital and financially independent. And that's where ultra wealth starts. That's where the, the super rich or the ultra wealthy are. They're from $100 million up to a billion, and then they're billionaires. The reason why I created that is in my book, I tell people to map your starting point. And I want you to define your end game, what it looks like. And then I want you to pick your path of getting there, how you're going to get there. Because I believe that too many personal finance books don't create a structure around what we're doing. So we read the book and we don't know what to do next. And so I didn't want that. And this is exactly the process that I use with my plan coming out of college. And my book is teaching people how to develop that millionaire money moves master plan that allows you to achieve your end game. Because if you can get to your end game, now you know when you can focus all your energy on the things that inspire you the most and that allows you to uh, make a contribution to the world in the way that you want to, which is where I am. And that's why I'm at the place where I can write my book and have the Black Wall Summit. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, Experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. 
And you mentioned these millionaire money moves, but I'm curious, are there certain, um, I guess I want to say certain investments or certain ways that people use uh, their income to create wealth where you've seen kind of most commonly used? Yes. You know, the, 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 you know, the millionaire money moves is a framework that I created that is centered around eight uh, specific um, steps or, or processes. And the first one is planning. And the second one is earning. And then you go to saving and then you go to pay and pay is like focusing on the things that are mandatory uh, non-discretionary, then you go to consume. Those are the discretionary things, things that lifestyle spending. And then you go to invest. Um, and then you move to reward, which where you're rewarding yourself based on hitting certain goals within your milestone. And then you go to give, giving back and making a difference either through your time or through your money. So those are the eight steps. The objective is to get your investments to do the work so that there's a line from your investment bubble that goes all the way back to your income. So it's kind of a system. It's a cyclical system. And throughout that system, you're transforming your mindset and your value set because they all have to happen at the same time. Because as you're making millionaire money moves, you're cementing a different value set. You're cementing a different mindset. And as it becomes more and more uh, pure and more perfect, you're making more efficient moves with your money and you're growing your wealth exponentially. The name of the game is to invest in assets, those things that hold value, uh, that have a way of producing incomes. So I'm thinking of you know building up a stock portfolio and get eventually getting it to where you're in uh, dividend aristocrats that create great dividends and provide income from you from that perspective. Also investing in real estate. And I have an investment ladder that talks people into as their money grows what they can invest in. So you go into real estate and you move into uh, entrepreneurship and then alternative investments, which is angel investing, venture capital, uh, hedge funds and private equity. So I've created this system because I'm a system kind of a guy. I got a degree in computer <laughs> science that is designed to help to give to allow people to do something consistently over time that allows them to build wealth. And that's my millionaire money move system. And when I look at the assets that you can invest in, they're all grouped into four pillars. It's either you know it's either cash or, or liquid uh, uh, securities. It's either real estate. It's either entrepreneurship, some form of it, whether or not you're a independent contractor or you're an actor or whatever, you're a football player, you're still a, uh, you're still an entrepreneur. And then there's uh, alternative investments. So the name of the game is to get busy uh, transforming, transforming your income into these asset classes that will produce you income. And that's my system. I love a system. I love a good system too. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic. You write so many personal finance books, leave out so many, so many parts where you read the book and you're like, okay, did I get anything from that book? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so There's like a nice. gap between the rubber and the road. Yeah, it's like, you right, know, it's exactly. like, okay, so a great book, where do I get started? And so that's what I was feeling. And that's what I was creating. So when they see in my book, I have this, this uh, Millionaire Money Moves investment ladder. And the investment ladder starts with zero, with zero dollars. And it tells you, okay, your first thing to do is get a thousand dollars. If you get a thousand dollars, now between a thousand and twenty-five, you can invest in these things. Now between twenty-five and a hundred, you can invest in these things. And so there are seven levels, and the objective is to get to level seven. Once you get to level seven, you have a very diverse portfolio of investments. Now there are people like Robert Kiyosaki, uh, who's written the most incredible book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and you know the social media genius in uh, Grant Cardone that are all in real estate. They're like, oh, I hate the stock market. I don't believe in that. You need it all. Right. 
You want your right. portfolio to have everything because there's sometimes when real estate sucks. And then there's sometimes when the stock market has just been incredible, like from 2008 to 2022. So I don't want to leave nothing on the table. I like my diverse, my, my portfolio diversified within diversification. So just fully diversified. I'm into everything, private equity, real estate, stocks, entrepreneurship, all of it. It all matters. That's what you want in your portfolio. A lot of people believe that you can't do it starting from the bottom. I'm an example that you can. I had no outside income or no, no outside investment. My dad did invest in my business. I started it one client at a time, one investment at a time, and I got there. Yeah, I mean, and and I I would imagine that's what led you to start the Blackwell Summit. Uh, I I want to just spend a minute kind of talking about that uh, because it's it's big. It's it's you've got some amazing people there, and I I would imagine that um, you know there's so many different lives changed through the Blackwell Summit. So tell me a little bit about it, and maybe any success stories that have kind of come out of it. Yeah, you know, the Blackwell Summit, how it came about is, you know, I have a place in Miami and I was coming down for the rooftop and I, I go into the lobby and there's all this ruckus going on. And I think it was JP Morgan Chase that was having this big conference and they took over the entire hotel. So I'm joking around with the lady who's registering people. I was probably a little tipsy coming from the rooftop pool. <laughs> and I said, yo, what's going on here? She says, oh, we have this international summit going on. And I said, oh, well, how come I wasn't invited? I got a little bit of net worth. I was just playing with her. And she says, well, it's kind of for some of our clients that we invited here. I says, okay. So I walked down the hallway and the thought popped in my head. Why? And then I looked up on my phone. What, what is this? And it happened to be one of their international wealth summit. And they were inviting some of their richest customers, their billionaire clients there. And then I saw one year Prince Harry and Meghan came to, uh, to speak. You know, they paid them $250,000 yeah, right. to come wow. speak. And then I see Robert Smith, the richest African-American uh, in the United States there and Magic Johnson and A-Rod. I'm like, wow, this thing is pretty to do. And then it just kind of hit me. You know, they're telling the super rich how to get richer. They're kind of giving them insights on emerging markets and opportunity for make them richer. And so I'm saying, well, why isn't there anything like this for African-Americans? And that's when I reached out to my network of business colleagues and clients who I knew that cared about this. And they all said yes. And we pulled it together. So what we did is we reached out to the world's largest banks and Morgan Stanley and Charles Schwab and Bank of America and UBS and New York Life and you know even got some healthcare companies like Cigna and Kaiser and um, and uh, and so we brought them together and Gilead Science and they all came in and they foot the bill so they donated money to allow us to bring the African American community together at a very very low fee to teach them how to build wealth and. What's beautiful about this is that we have these large majority-owned banks that are bringing their black advisors who could use more pipeline, and we're introducing them to African-Americans and meeting African-Americans where they are. So if they're starting out, we've got a track for people that are just starting out. If they are an intermediate investor and been investing for a little while, we have certain tracks for intermediate investors. And if they're an advanced investor or accredited investor, we have private equity-type opportunities that are being presented to them and exposing them to things like public storage, hotel franchises, uh, cannabis, you know, the whole nine yards. So it was our dream. And at the same time, we're bringing in 125 historical black college students in the surrounding area. And Charles Schwab is sponsoring their experience by teaching them how to get on their wealth journey coming right out of college. And in addition to that, we've got Raymond James and we've got uh, Motley Fool's Venture. 
that's pull, ventures who've pulled together a conference, uh, a, a pitch competition for startup businesses. And we also have a pitch competition for college students. So this was really my the dream and the vision that I architected on paper. And it's just amazing to see it happening. It's amazing to see the financial services firms embracing it and not being selfish about their individual uh, right. brand, right. but understanding that we're a community that needs authentic, real education to where there's nobody promoting anything. There's nobody selling anything. We're just educating people so they can make their own decisions. We're empowering them so they can make really good decisions so that they can, what I like to say, make millionaire money moves. Well, I'm going to be cheering you on because it is just, it sounds amazing. Uh, and I'm, I'm just so thrilled for you that you, your vision is coming to life. And we've talked about so much, but kind of as we wrap up here, you know, some people are saying that 2023 is going to be like the biggest new year, new you kind of ever, right? Mm -hmm. And so for everyone listening, I mean, they've heard all of your amazing advice around, around mindset, around uh, making uh, millionaire money moves. But what do you think we should focus on right now? What can we do right now if we're interested in rolling into 2023 and really building some wealth? I, I really love that you asked that question. You know, my dad is going to be speaking at the Blackwell Summit just because my dad's 91 years old or 90 years old. And we also filmed one of my mentors, Mr. Glover, who's 91, to share their perspective. And I, I asked Mr. Glover this question when I interviewed him. I said, Mr. Glover, back in the day when you're building apartment buildings, and buying properties, did things feel extremely expensive? And he says, hell yeah, they did. See, the reality <laughs> is not much has changed. Things still right. feel very expensive. We have to learn how to, you know, to invest in the game despite how expensive it is. So in order to do that, we have to practice extreme frugality. The world and society has gotten out of control, not just the black community, but you know, but society in general. It's like the fact that we have all these nice little tools in uh, smartphones and, and the internet, you know, it's making it harder for us to hold onto our nickels. Uh, so what happens is we're constantly being marketed. And before we know it, we wake up and we've already spent $100 or $200. We have to practice extreme frugality. We've got to be very focused on our own financial and wealth journey and make sure that we're putting money in things that bring the most value to us and our family. Too often we're buying things that are flashy, that make us feel good, but have no value whatsoever. I think that no matter what time of, uh, we're in, if it's 2023, if we're in extreme recession, if we're in a time of great growth or even in inflationary times, we've got to watch what we spend and focus our dollars on the things that matter to us and our families and keep buying assets no matter what market we're in. That's what's going to make the difference for us and for future generations. And I don't care what color you are. That's what we need to do. This conversation really opened up another conversation with my husband, Jeff, and myself about creating generational wealth. His family hasn't been able to build wealth, never even had the mindset. And although my family was a lot more secure, mine hasn't really built generational wealth. These are two things we both really want to change for the future, and we're so inspired by Cedric and everything he shared with us in this episode. I hope you found it just as powerful as we did. If you want to learn more about Cedric, you can check out blackwellsummit.com and find a list of all the celebrities and speakers and events. You can grab his books, Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth, How You Can Become a Millionaire Starting from the Bottom, 
and the Millionaire Money Moves Supplemental Investment Guide, yes, it's actually a two-parter, on pre-order on October 25th and set to be released one day after Martin Luther King's birthday, January 17th. Here's to us all building generational wealth together. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends and family members right now. And as always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as the amazing sponsors that make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. 